Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer-led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au. We're gathering together today in this special place to continue our learning journey together. We acknowledge the Woiwurrung and Bunwurrung people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional custodians of the land and waters of the place where we're recording this podcast and that sovereignty has not been ceded. We acknowledge and pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging and we also pay respect to any First Peoples who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who work hard, really hard over the years for the rights for themselves and for others with a disability to live in the community and to achieve equality and to respect human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. Nothing about us without us. So we're on that chat and we're talking about barriers with Cameron Bloomfield. One of the barriers that may not be very apparent to most people is social barrier. Being a, a lone self-advocate in a in a working group or a meeting can be quite lonely. It's it also gives that air of tokenism to the position as well, which is one thing that we try and avoid at all costs. I mean, as we know, our Sabbath. Self-advocates are the experts with lived experience and should never, ever be treated as a token. What do you think some of the um, ways that tokenism exists in the sort of, in the meeting working group fields, Cameron? Well, sometimes it could be, say, for example, uh, some organisations might think, oh, if we have one person with a... uh, cognitive disability on our working group we've achieved the goal of having a person on there not not even if he doesn't even participate in, in any of it we've achieved having that person so we're using so uh the person could think oh no i'm going to use as a token here because i'm the only person with a disability in this group it, it it'd be good to have like more than one person with the disability and also get them also to feel not like token a, a token get them to participate in the meeting you know what I'm you know because self-advocates do have a voice and they don't want to be felt like they're just there because it's meeting a requirement of the organization you, you, you need to make them feel a part of the meeting um, and have their opinions and their um, advice heard 
within the meeting as well. That's spot on, Cameron. That's exactly why, when, as an organisation, if you were to go to uh, a group like Voice at the Table, they would propose that you get two advocates because no two people have exactly the same disability. Even though it may have the same name, they may not. The, the way it affects them is different. Another point along that tokenism sort of thing is when you do have a representative there, but you don't actually listen to them or acknowledge their, that they're there. I think you have a, a really good example of that one. Yes, I have been... I, I was involved in a working group uh, that in one of the meetings, um, uh, it was chaired by somebody else, uh, but they've updated that they updated it and got a bit better after a complaint was made. Um, so what happened was a question was asked and I had my hand up trying to um, put my true say in and I would have my hand up for ages and the, the guy would be going around and asking other people like completely miss miss me and someone else had to jump in. Someone else put their hand up after me and then turned around and said, Cameron's had his hand up for ages after after he went to her and you know, which was very, you know, not not really um a good on a chair side of thing things that to go around and miss other people if they've got their hand up and yeah, you know, so yeah. Yeah, it's not a great feeling, is it? It's I think almost all of us have experienced that in meetings that in various ways and forms. I know personally even um, I was on a meeting um, prior to my injury where that happened that the chair would only ask one or two people for their opinion and completely dismiss everything else. I just thought it was all lip service and not really worth it. Yes, yes. Um, but that, uh, but I have to admit, after that happened, um, they, I, I got feedback from one of the people who else was in the meeting. Uh, she ended up making a complaint about it, and from the next meeting, they actually changed their procedures and they had a different chair that time and it w did work a lot better and you know so they did end up changing after a complaint was made which was which i have to admit you know it did work out better better for them you're listening to that chat one of the things one of the other barriers well this is the, the word that's most associated to barriers, is being access. And as we're sort of saying, access to information, access to the meeting physically, access to the meeting on Zoom even, they are all barriers. And there's some really varied forms of barriers. One of the ones we always pick on is jargon, and as we call it now, jargon English rather than plain English or easy English. It's, it can ruin a meeting when everything is in jargon. The access to supports is vital, and that can be as simple as just reminders. 
hey, you've got a meeting coming up today, you know, I'll see you at 2 o'clock. Nice and easy. You can do that. You can deal with that. Physical, you know, there are things where people may have mobility issues. They may have sensory issues as well. So physical can be more than just ramps and stairs. It is things like uh, lights and sounds, and they can really distract from a really good meeting because someone has that sensitivity to lights or sounds and sounds being – it sounds – I keep saying sound and it's not <laughs> – I'm just trying to find the right words. It's sudden sounds and bright flashing lights. They can be very distracting for many people with a cognitive disability. It's not necessarily uh, flashing lights. It could be the room could be too light for their their sensory needs. So you could be you know you could be in a room where it's completely lit up with big really fluorescent lights. Those things you know not necessarily uh, flashing lights. So it could be you know really bright lights. You know some people like probably like to work in a more duller. Uh, environment where you can control the lights and turn them down or up you know so stuff 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 like that um which um you know people you know do have troubles with you know some people that i've gone into a meeting with um if, if you can't control the lights they have to wear sunglasses because it affects them too much you know um there's also like um uh there's a way to to sort of uh, lessen the jargon they use. Uh, I use them a bit called the traffic lights. And traffic lights? What do you mean traffic lights? How do you get traffic lights in a meeting? Well, um, we use three colours representing the normal traffic lights you would see when driving your car. So um, we've got the three colours are red, green and yellow. So the, the, the whole idea of it, uh, say, for example, with the green one, it, uh, if you hold up a green card, it means that uh, I agree and I understand. If you hold up a yellow card, I have a question. But then the, the one that I like the most, if you hold up the red card, the red card means that someone's used a jargon word or you're not understanding or you're not getting how the meeting's going, you know, um, you know, for someone to stop and explain it to you. I every time I'm in a meeting, I always use the red card uh, because it's um, instead of, say, for example, raising your hand. If I raise my hand, I might have a question to ask them, or especially in the um, online Zoom meetings where it's hard to uh, know what people are thinking. Uh, or people want to do so if I've got a question I'll just raise up my hand um, but then if someone mentions it like a jargon or a hard word that I don't understand I'll pull them up and I'll hold up a red card you know and without Cameron just held up red card <laughs> that traffic light system sounds wonderful Cameron I, I really wholeheartedly endorse that one and I think having the different colours meaning different things, well, obviously they do, but having the red is, hang on, stop, what's going on? There's something wrong here. 
I think is a great way of doing that, especially in the like in the Zoom meetings, as you're saying. Personally, I was involved in uh, AGM for a group, and they were just talking in jargon the whole way. I'm pretty switched on most of the time, but I don't always know the jargon words, and they kept repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And in the end, I had my hand up from the very first time, and it took them like five minutes into this discussion before they actually saw that I had my hand up. And I think it was someone else that had their hand uh, said that they saw it. So it was quite different. Whereas if I had that card, I could have stopped it straight away and had that clarity right from the start of the conversation. Uh, and, it's, and it's also more noticeable, especially on Zoom meetings, that if, if you hold up a, re if you hold up a, uh, a red card or a uh, green card, you know, it's more noticeable than maybe holding up your hand for ages. Yes, much more noticeable. Having that change of colour on your screen. And if most of us, when we are doing the Zoom meeting, tend to be in that view when you can see as many people as possible. You can find out more voiceatthetable.com.au We're moving quite quickly through all this, all these barriers, but there is couple of really big ones left. One of them is actually money. This is a barrier for a number of reasons. And so for some, the getting to a meeting actually costs money. They may need to book a, a taxi to get them there. Taxis are cheap, as we know, even with a taxi card that you get. There are working groups that actually pay you to be on on board and be part of the working group, which is great. It's not done as often as I think it should be. There are a couple of working groups that I'm on and I don't worry too much about the money because I'm actually very passionate about it. So I, I jump in there and, and give my two cents worth as an expert with lived, lived experience, but they're in things in fields that I'm quite passionate about. So it's quite good for me, but not getting paid and not knowing when to ask about payment is actually quite a big barrier. I think you have some, uh, you, you were doing a project or something, Cameron, where money became an issue? Uh, yes, yeah, so I was doing one project uh, where uh, the organiser uh, who got me on board didn't really uh, state how what what I was when I was getting paid, how much I was getting paid, um, and every time I'd ask ask them, they would make up excuses. Uh, yeah, so it's it, it's very frustrating because I've always been taught from when I was doing the voice at the table training uh, that that your since we're the ones with lived experience it's always good to get paid and know where, where it is. So it's always good for organisations. One of the things when they're uh, getting you on board is to mention, yes, you're getting paid for this, uh, mention how much you're getting paid, and also mention it that if you don't get paid at the end of each session or if it goes for, say, if it goes for, say three or four sessions, that, hey, look, is it okay if we pay you at the end of 
the say four four sessions, that means we can we can just pay you in one lump sum instead of four individual uh, lump sums. You know, it's always good for organisations to do something like that. So yeah, this, this one organisation was was always to, uh, sort of dodging my questions when I'd ask them. Uh, so I had to get on the phone to somebody else who actually ended up sending an email and it ended up getting fixed up. Nothing about us without us. So as, a, as the lift experience expert and being part of meetings and working groups uh, for other organisations where you've been asked to come in, a number of those sort of meetings and working groups are based around a workplace and within that workplace, the people attending the meeting are still getting paid to be there, but you as the expert aren't always getting paid. You, you once told me that you don't like being mucked around. You know, just tell me straight up what something is. It was along those lines. Can you remember that, Cameron? I do remember that, yeah. I don't like sort of being... The, the way as I was uh, sort of um, uh, trained with Voice of the Table is, you know, I don't like being mucked around. I like to be told straight as if you, if you, you say, you know, if you, instead of trying to make excuses, tell me straight down the line how it is, you know, and that means I won't have to get confused or anything like that. It, and it's also when it comes to sort of money as well, ask the person how they want to be paid um, because um, people like to be paid in gift voucher. Like, for, for example, myself, I like to be paid as a gift voucher um, because if other people, if other people in the, in the meeting are getting paid to be there, we, sh- we as lived experience should be paid as well to attend the meeting. Um, and, and that also knocks out as, as earlier spoken about the, uh, being a token. Mm. You're listening to That Chat. You've talked about how you don't like to be mucked around when it comes to money. And I'm guessing it's, well, I'm guessing it's for the same reasons that I don't like being mucked around when it comes to money. I'm on a fixed income, being on the disability pension. It's enough to pay my bills and stuff. But if I need something else or whatever, or if I need to, if I know there's a big bill coming, I, I would like to know in advance what I'm going to get paid in a certain time frame. I'm guessing, but I'm never going to assume it's the same for everyone, but I'm guessing it's very similar for you. Well, it, it is very similar for me. Um, if I do a, I, I call them gigs. If I do a gig, um, a meeting or something, I assume that I'm getting some money. So I, I might be able to, I, I can go do shopping with that that gift card that I get. I can go do this, um, you know, it, because I plan sort of, I try and plan and what I need to spend and that. So if I get a bill, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I can pay this bill with my pension, then I can go do shopping because I'm getting a gift card. Um, but then if the organisation sort of stuffs you up and don't pay you or they thought, you know, they, they thought, oh, yeah, we'll pay them at the end, but didn't tell you that they don't pay at the end. So it, it makes it makes things a bit hard. It makes things very hard indeed. 
you know, just so some of the people listening understand, a disability pension is still below the poverty line. So just keep that in mind, people. <laughs> it's, it's not a nice place to be. And I think it, it, in regards to being upfront and all of that, it is very much around that our chip about being prepared and making sure that, you know, I hate using the term, but all the boxes are ticked. And that includes things like the information regarding payments. How is it going to be paid? When is it going to be paid? It all needs to happen before the event. And that's all about being prepared. Nothing about us without us. One of our biggest barriers, I think, for me personally, has been a safe space to be able to provide the best I can provide as a self-advocate. We talk about being able to tell stories a lot because that's what we do as experts. We have stories that no one else has. I think creating that safe storytelling space is vital. What do you think, Cameron? Do you think I'm close to the mark with that one? You, you are, you are. Um, uh, so safe, uh, safe storytelling is is vital because um, you want to feel safe to tell your story. You don't want to be, you know, going to somewhere and telling your story and then, you know, it gets leaked out of something of the meeting or people start asking you questions or... Um, you know, or you've gone to the meeting thinking, thinking the meeting's one thing, and then you tell your story, and it and it's not relevant to the meeting. So it's also it's also you got to sort of be on top of what the meeting is about to tell your your safe your, your story, and also make sure there are things in place. You know, you, you might want to um, you know you might want to have a go to person to talk to if you feel uncomfortable or. So someone that can talk to you after the meeting, see how you're feeling, because you just told your 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 story that was personal to you. So it's you know you're just gonna make sure there are things in place so people you, you feel comfortable and there's you know say for example there's hotlines you can call um, if you if if you're not feeling safe or you know after the meeting you know like, say, for example, the helpline or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you just have things like that in place. Yes. Having those extra supports provided by the organisation is, is great. I think um, to extend on that a little bit, um, the safe story space is also about being acknowledged and recognised as an expert. Um, I'm sure you've been in situations where you've been in a meeting or a working group and you're telling a quite personal story and people around the table are not paying attention. They're playing with their phones, they're talking to each other, shuffling papers, and that creates an unsafe environment for an advocate. It, it does, and, and it's more harder to, to have your storytelling on Zoom 
because you don't know what someone else is doing. You don't know what someone's doing in the background is because you only see what the camera shows you. They could be picking up a phone or they could have switched their camera off to be doing something else. You don't know if people are paying attention or something like that, which is really, which sometimes uh, it can affect people if, if they think you're not paying attention or just ignoring them, you know, um, it's really, you know, it's, it's not, it's not pleasant to be ignored. No, not pleasant at all. So in regards to barriers, I think we've covered pretty much all of them now. Um, I'd just like to say thank you to Cameron Bloomfield for coming in and having a chat with us about barriers and the best ways of avoiding or removing them. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for inviting me along to the Voice of the Table podcast. You can find out more voiceatthetable.com.au. Welcome back to Backchat. We continue on with episode regarding New Wave in Gippsland because we had such a great chat last time and we'll just keep going now with Rachel Walters and Catherine Bartlett from New Wave Gippsland. Thanks for having me Thank back. Thanks for having me back. When did New Wave start, Rachel? 2009. We're going to make sure people with disability have our own um, group um, but we didn't have new work. It was just a com- combination of people with disabilities um, meeting every second Sunday just to have, you know, just something to get out of the place and have something to do. And it was with the outreach people. And anyway, we were having one of these days. And anyway, I got a phone call from Glyn Evans. And she's originally from um, outreach. She's one of the, she was one of the bosses there. And anyway, next thing we get a, she get either email or phone call one or two from Reinforce, wanted to come up and said we wanted to start our own self-advocacy group. And if we wanted to, we can, and then we just been discussing it on and off with um, Reinforce. And one day, Julie Presenton, which you guys might know, myself and Rob Clough, and we went to see them all with the Reinforce group because I know they have a little place where they do a think tank there. Anyway, we were trying to look at what to call our group and the place I start, we started, it was not far from Pakapanya where the um, army base is. I was waiting outside, saw a few kangaroos and it was lovely seeing a group of kangaroos. Next thing, Julie drags me back in. She's like, oh, I've got a name, I've got a name for our group. I said, and she goes, why don't we call our group New Wave? And because I did most of the talking, we left it in the hands of Arthur Rogers. And it, and I was thinking, oh, gosh, I hope we get with the funding. I hope we get the funding. Next thing I get a phone call from Glenn saying, we got the funding. Yes. <laughs> so we've been being um, new. I've ever, that's the story how new I've started. Tell me about this um, YouTube video that we were watching before about an open letter to Vic Rhodes. Well, um, we, we, we discussed it, I think, in a meeting and saying how dangerous this road was in commercial road, what else the front of our office and it 
at the front of two day services and it the car speed and see the signs probably two metres away and it, oh, beauty is 60, left duty 60 back where them saw it and, and some of us take ages to cross and we might be standing there at least 20 minutes and we decided to write a open letter to Vic Rhodes explaining our issues and so, and actually showing them how it we demonstrate how we cross the road all abilities and then we got I think an email or a phone call saying we got it like we them gonna put it in we got our article in the paper, then in the news, and and even in the news again for with Harriet Singh and PTV and the state government side of people. Yes, it's a big win. The um, we saw the the video before, and the traffic is really bad uh, it's it's yeah. not it's not bumper to bumper it is a solid speed road basically yeah. and as Catherine was saying it was on one side of the road is the bus stop on the other side are the day services there on commercial road and to get across that road you're taking your life in your own hands have a look on youtube and look up an open letter to Vic Rhodes from New Wave Gippsland. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Catherine, for imparting your wisdom with us. Thank you. And thank you, Aaron, for letting us do podcasts. Welcome to Justin's Joke. <laughs> Two times were on the ocean one day, and it came along and they discovered the Titanic in the ocean. You know what they found? They found for 100 years that Titanic swimming pool was still full. Thanks to all the Vat Chat team and people who participated today, our co-producers, Anne Van Leerdam and Warren Lorem. Special guest, Cameron Bloomfield, Rachel Walters and Catherine Bartlett for this week's Back Chat. Our editor and composer, Dan Sullivan. The Vat Chat working group who steer the direction of Vat Chat. And last but not least, Justin O'Brien for Justin's Joke. Vat Chat podcast is part of the Voice at the Table training. Voiceatthetable.com.au